When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Patsy DeFerris is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. All right, taking a break from Immaculate Grid and polluting my home group chats because I just simply cannot take a staycation and I'm done traveling for the summer. It is good to be back. In talking football here uh pat's interference podcast which is brought to you by fanduel the exclusive wagering partner of the clns media network recording late tuesday night july 11th either the introductions or the actual all-star game is undergoing i don't know at this point i think it's a sign for me it's been a long slow divorce with baseball which has been probably coming for a long time like most slow divorces do but on a happier note i am happy to be joined by uh someone who I don't know if I'd rather talk to anyone at this time of year because he has been in the throes of what you could fairly describe during football season as the dog days of summer. I've done TV twice in the last eight, nine days. And Mm -hmm. I feel like I had deja vu on Monday night because we're talking about DeAndre Hopkins feelings and then Damian Lillard's feelings. And we're not really getting anywhere. We're just passing the time. And so dealing with more hot air than hard tackling, we bring on one of my favorite gas bags, Mike Matnansky, (laughs) who is who has killed more time after games, rain delays during the Red Sox, all his years at EI, of course, now of the world-famous Mutt Stack. Buddy, thank you for coming on. Short notice, I've already said thank you, but uh, maybe I owe you an apology after that intro. No, no apology necessary. Uh, one, full of hot air. Two, uh, you know, kind of full-time unemployed outside of muttstack.com, so uh, you can reach out to me anytime, and I can pop on. So I've spent, uh, my day has been working on uh, the Friday four-pack for Mutt Stack. Uh, it has been getting ready for some lineups for summer league baseball, coaching my son this summer. And then what's really been a treat, Andrew, is the emails I get from my wife saying, can you buy this on Amazon Prime? It's on sale. So (laughs) Prime days are in full effect. It's nice to take a break from all of that and talk some football, buddy. Good to see you. Yeah, you too. You've been an all-star dad. That's that's your job right now. You say the most important, important job uh, in the world. But meanwhile, your job for the next, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes as we record here. This is one of my favorite traditions, and I did this last year. Granted, it's just the second annual, the inaugural episode of previewing the previews, right? Like, I'm going to start writing preview content for training camp. And what we're going to go through are seven storylines that emerge from the spring about the Patriots and whether you buy or sell them heading into training camp. We'll get some answers, of course, but then it's always going to be starting with the first Bill Belichick press conference in the second (laughs) and the third and all the way up till September. Well, we'll see. I don't know. Uh, but in the meantime, there are things we think we know, and let's either go buy or sell. Are you ready? I'm ready to go, man. I, I casually, so admittedly off the top, yeah. I casually looked at the list because I, I like these things sort of fresh rather than think about them. So I, I I know what you're interested in, but I didn't do a deep dive. So hopefully these answers are fresh and they're different than what you've dealt with on TV the last couple of shows. Well, good. It's all been, again, the same things. I don't know if DeAndre Hopkins has 
a deep respect like Damian Lillard has for the Spurs, but there's respect <laughs> in reporting on feelings. And look, I, I don't begrudge any of the reporters on ESPN filling this time in these airwaves as, as part of the gig now. I just, as I said in my last episode, in case the folks who are still looking for Hopkins or Dalvin Cook news, um, there, there's nothing to add. And I, I'm not going to fill time with what I feel like is, is good, good, uh, empty calories. Let's put it that way. So awesome. um, number one, Mac Jones will hit the ground running, running Bill O'Brien's system by herself. Bye, bye, bye. Now, this is not like some proclamation that Bill O'Brien and Mac Jones are going to reinvent the offense, but uh, like, I, I, it's hard to overstate how much more confident I am about this thing than with Matt Patricia running it. Like, I, I, again, it's from the JV to the varsity, pick your analogy you want to use. I think that Mac is built for it. I think that he is tougher than people give him credit for. I think the injury he suffered I thought this at the time, and I, I I thought it listening to sports radio last couple of months, and I've heard it brought up. When he suffered that injury and it looked so bad, and he sort of cried when he's going down the stairs there, I don't think that's really Mac. I think he's tougher than that. I think he wants to be coached tougher. I think he sort of begged publicly to be coached tougher than this sort of wish-washy Matt Patricia, Joe Judge combination of coaches. So, like, again, it's, it's not because Bill O'Brien is going to reinvent the wheel offensively. But going from Patricia to Bill O'Brien with Mac Jones at the helm, I am buying in all in. I've been on Mac Jones almost since day one. I will go down with the ship, Callahan. And yes, this will start well because he's got a real coordinator running the offense this year. Okay, so like any all-star dad on the diamond, I throw you softball to start, right? I think everyone yes. is in a nice, easy one, yes. Things right. are going to hit the ground running. I am yep. on the record in this podcast, TV radio, saying I think we are going to see the best of Mac Jones moving forward. As far as Good. hitting the ground running, running Bill O'Brien's system, um, we saw this last year, believe it or not. I went back through my notes as they're going through the first four days, which again was a new offense and what's it going to look like and who's calling plays. And oh my God, it's still outside zone and they've got all these boots. <laughs> and the Patricia thing is, is absolutely spot on. And we talked about this a lot, but it just hit me that the comparison is really a substitute teacher who like Matt Patricia might have a science or a physics background coming in to take over for music for the whole year and wants to tweak the instruments that have been the same instruments for centuries and says, oh, if we use this, the violin can sound better here. And lo and behold, um, the ancient melodies and instruments still just work fine. You just need to be better at playing them. Bill O'Brien knows how to put together an orchestra. And so, but even under the substitute teacher that was Matt Patricia last year, let me run through the first four days of training camp in 2022. Mac Jones, day one. Sizzled, according to my headline at the Boston Herald. 18-22. Sizzled. Sizzled. Day two, he started 16 of 17 and then contributed to 10 straight incompletions in the last red zone period. Some of them were zappy. Day three, 14 of 19 with an interception. Johnny Smith starred in that practice, according to yours truly. He did? Wow. That that was the time? That was the practice he started? Yeah. There's just a big LOL attached to that headline now. If you looked it up, I just had to add that today as I'm doing my research. Day four, because it looks like the Patriots will take a break after their third or fourth practice uh, in a couple of weeks once training camp gets underway. The the lead was Mac Jones is, is pissed off. He just disappeared after practice to sprints, and that was because he finished two of six with an interception and a sack, but still overall was 16 to 25 with two drops. So over those four days, he had a completion percentage, a nice completion percentage of 69%, and his on-target nice. percentage, including the drops, was over 70 so for all of the shit show that was that offense, and it got worse, he still, quote, hit the ground running. And I think that's the nature of training camp early on. No pads, an extension of OTAs. There's a lot of installation, not a whole lot of evaluation. He'll be fine. I'm buying. What does that mean, though? 
like I said at the start, we'll see. Yeah, and I also go back to his 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 upbringing, right? And I, I don't think I don't think I think some Patriot fans know, like he wasn't. This was he was a good tennis player growing up, but college football wise, he was going to go to D two D three. He was at a college day. Saban saw him. He went to Alabama. He was not handed this. He had to work and fought behind Tua and others at Alabama. I think he wants to work hard. I think people have sort of miscast him as this kid has been given everything. And I do believe that he he understands the challenge ahead, just given on the last couple of years and the opportunity now, because this is really, since you swore, I will swear, shit or get off the pot time for Mac Jones. Year three NFL quarterback. You will probably write 10,000 words about this. Year three Mac Jones, what's he going to bring? Uh, this is it for him. He's got a real coordinator. He's got some more tools offensively. I think he'll. I think he's going to live up to the challenge. I think he'll be up to that challenge beginning with training camp here in a couple of weeks. We're going to move on to number uh, two. Speaking of shit show, uh, here in a second. <laughs> but I, I do. I do want to push back quickly on on the Mac Jones narrative because I think sure you know, the the beauty of the access that's had to athletes as far as you know through social media is a lot that they get to present the stories that they believe about themselves and then they present them with help of editing and documentaries and all these different things. Mm -hmm. Mac Jones is self-made man. He absolutely works his ass off. Talk to anyone who was with him in high school, as I've done in college, in the pros. But he had an offer, and I, I can't remember the school for the life of me, but it was about Vanderbilt. Who's a three-star kid, okay, born into a family where his mother and father are partners in the same law firm. Like, he's had a lot of advantages. But I will agree with the part that with the opportunities he's had, yeah, he's he's made the most of it. Hold on. I, I, now I'll push back for a second. Vanderbilt is... I mean, that's the one SEC game I've been to, and I can well, tell you, it didn't feel like an SEC. Not D two, D three, like the guy. Yeah, but is, uh, it's, it's, Vandy. it's Vanderbilt. It's not really in the SEC. It's fake SEC. Come on. Anyway, he decommitted on that day at Alabama, uh, and then Smart called. Move. Smart yeah, move. and it did, and obviously worked out for him, and he he'll be set for life based on the first contract he got in the NFL. And we'll see about that second one. Uh, the second point here: storyline, buy or sell. Remindery Stevenson will build off of last year as he is now the clear-cut RB1. Yeah. This is where I, I, I'm terrible at this, because I, it's sort of, I guess, like... <laughs> Come on, and, buy or sell. And I'll, you can't I, get I'm to the register. I'm buying, right? but I'm, I'm, I, this is not my wife with Amazon Prime today. I'm I'm buying because I have to, because I, built, I, I bought into this Bill O'Brien offensive scheme. He, everything's going to be better with Bill O'Brien. And I think Roger Stevens is really good. You and I have had these conversations on the radio on, the, on your podcast now for two years. You and Andy Hart hate giving him credit for anything, but you guys were front and center in the Ramondre Stevenson love years ago, telling us how great he looked in training camp. Now, your comparison, I, th I think, was it was your Le'Veon Bell? Who'd you compare him to last year? Uh, I don't... Let Bell? I, I don't think I said Bell. I think... If I did, it was somebody really good. It was an awesome running back you compared him to. But that being yeah. said, he's talented. He's got a better offense, better coach. So yes, fine. But he did have a good year last year, and he's gonna have a good year again this year. Great year. I, what's a great year for running back in the NFL? Run, they're a dime a dozen, quite frankly. Okay. Well, if you thought he had a great year and he did, I think he was top ten in terms of uh, yards from scrimmage, which yeah. came out to one thousand four hundred and sixty-one. He had six touchdowns good. on sixteen and a half touches. He'll go over game. that. He's going over yeah. that. Rushed for just over 1,210. He had 69 catches on 88 targets, 421 yards, and one touchdown. Also had four fumbles. So he did all of this. You could say, you know, he will definitely build upon it because Damian Harris was the starter, and Damian Harris seeded to him, and then he was the only guy that they could trust, whether you're Mac Jones or Matt Patricia. So he got the ball and played a higher snap count than anyone. 
what I would say is they don't want to wear him down like they did last year. And so I, I would, I would sell this in the sense that I think his snap counts are going to come down. I think he'll finish with close gotcha. to the same numbers because you don't want to feature him in that way. Now, if you were to say, well, who, who's going to take those carries? Cause Damian Harris actually played 11 games and it started a fair amount of them. Uh, even with Ramondre Stevenson, I think they've got a lot of confidence in Pierre Strong. That's been my answer for fantasy folks who come around and ask what's going to happen. Sure, they could sign another back, but like their history tells you, the mid round guys redshirt Harris, you know, except for Ramondre. Now it's Pierre Strong, and he looked good in minicamp and OTA. So I don't know for sure, but it's hard to see a guy, particularly given the history of this position in New England, building off of a thousand yard season to go to thirteen hundred yards or catching for six hundred yards after what was a really productive year. So this is where I'm going to, I told you I want to ask you about it specifically. This is for the, the fantasy best ball nerds like myself who are drafting teams already. Cause I've seen this buzz about Pierre strong. I, I want to believe in Ty Montgomery a little bit. And I want to, I do that because I know he can catch the ball of backfield. He did it in new Orleans, he did it in green Bay and Bill O'Brien when he was here before had that sort of third down guy out of the backfield. So for the people that are drafting best ball right now, people that are trying to handcuff Stevenson, late in their fantasy drafts, and it's a couple months away now from really getting into it. Are you saying Pierre Strong is the guy? Do you think Ty Montgomery has any chance to be the potential third-down James White receiving back for this team? I The James White comparison, absolutely not. Like, I, I think James White is about the highest compliment you can give a third-down. High back. bar, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. So, And I'm not even knocking the question based on uh, technicality. You can't call James White. Like, we can't call any quarterback in New England Tom Brady, even if he's particularly accurate because uh, you said Tom Brady. It's more the sense of Ty Montgomery is a declining player. He had a very small market when the Patriots got him. I think he appealed to them because of his special teams value, not necessarily his role in this offense. And last year, the fact that he offered such stability and consistency, even if there's not much after the catch, yeah, he scored the first touchdown and then got hurt. But he's not explosive. He doesn't make people miss. He is rocked up as all hell. I would love to be half as in shape as Ty Montgomery is. He looks bigger and stronger than we last saw him. Wow. But from what is he going to do with the ball in his hands? Is he a home run threat? Can he create on his own? Because that's what this running back group is going to have to do. All of those things swing in the favor of not only a younger Pierre Strong, but a player who's ascending and growing and becoming the best version of himself. I think we've already seen that version of Ty Montgomery. It could very well be possible that the Patriots give more carries or looks to, to Ty Montgomery early in camp. I think it would be a mistake because if Pierre Strong is holding onto the ball and knows where to look in pass protection – this shouldn't be close. That said, Ty Montgomery was getting a lot of looks at slot receiver and OTAs and minicamp, but we know <laughs> that position is stacked partly because of not yeah. only just Juju Smith-Schuster, but Mike Kosicki. So long, long story short, ride with Pierre Strong. And if it goes wrong, yeah. just, just yell at me on Twitter. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Or no, I mean, so you draft so you're drafting Stevens and handcuff Pierre Strong. What's question number three? I dragged right. on. I'm sorry. Well, I mentioned Mike Kosicki. No, I, I'm I'm going long here. So uh Mike Kosicki, Hunter Henry. We saw them on the field for virtually every snap with the first team offense in minicamp. Storyline number three, buy or sell the Patriots are building towards a new two tight end offense under old friend Bill O'Brien. 
and this sort of ties back to the question we're not going to really talk about today. And I'm sick of talk, hearing about it, the DeAndre Hopkins thing. Like if they get Hopkins, then maybe it's less of a storyline. But given the the talent offensively, it kind of feels like it. Now, this is where again I put the question back on you. I read different reports from minicamp. Some saying Gasicki played at tight end, others saying basically played at wide receiver, had this connection with Mac Jones. So you tell me, were they using him a la Aaron Hernandez, sort of splitting him out? Was he a natural tight end? Because I know they like Henry. Gasicki is ultra talented catching the football. I'm not sure about blocking. So how'd they use him uh, a couple of weeks ago? They're training camp, or, or not training camp, mini camp. So Mike Gasicki, for much like every year that he was in Miami, except for his rookie season, was detached from the formation. More than half of his snaps came from yeah. the slot, or maybe he was out at the X in certain three by ones, uh, and he was isolated. But they're not sticking him in the traditional. Why inline tight end, you're going to block, you're be an extension of the offensive line. That's not happening. And that's not why they signed him. They're going to use him in the way that Miami did before. Honestly, Mike McDaniel got there because Mike McDaniel and his offense wants that wide tight end. So this where you could kind of get into a gray area. By the way, I'm selling on this. I I don't think this will be an offense that runs through Hunter Henry and Mike Kosicki. Sidebar and Hunter Henry. Bye, bye, bye. If we're playing that game with these players here. Um, Because the question for the coaching staff is ultimately going to be this. And if you signed your Andrew Hopkins, which is a great point, because that bumps DeAndre uh, or Juju Smith-Schuster to your wide receiver two and Devontae Parker to wide receiver three, you're going to play those guys over Mike Kosicki, I think, most of the time. Yes, yes. But yes. if Hopkins is not here, it goes Juju, Parker, who, again, I think they like more than you do at home if you don't like him. I'm just telling you how they're processing. Then do you pick Mike Kosicki or Kendrick Warner, Tyquan Thornton to fill out that fifth skill position player spot because they're going to play with one back and Hunter Henry's there and that's where they're going to go last year they tried to split the difference you remember the little Jordan Humphrey experiment I mean I tried to forget it but thanks <laughs> for bringing it up yes yeah so he fit the mold of okay we'll be 11 personnel we'll have him play as a receiver but then we're really 12 because he's a big receiver and he'll block Mike Kosicki is the same thing he is just a big receiver at 6-6 that has been called a tight end in college now on the yeah. post but he functions like a receiver I don't think they're going to make that same mistake again. I think this is a smarter coaching staff that is going to go, the talent is the talent. And instead of dealing with the theoretical X's and O's, which are important, we're going to rest in the reality of our roster. So now, whether you're answering... So, 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 so I'm going to answer the question and I'll let you finish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're saying Gasicki is basically outside, then I'm, I'm with you, I'm selling. It's not a too tight an offense. So they're going to split him out and play him in the slot outside the formation. Absolutely. But what I will say is I don't think... And the next question you're going to, you got to go long because I've gone long on these two <laughs> is to say that the answer is not going to be Kasiki often enough where the offense is defined partly by him. This will be a game plan operation. I think you'll see them go 11 personnel, much more than your 12 personnel, your two tight end sets. So no, he was out there for OTAs and minicamp. I think because Juju Smith-Schuster and Taekwon Thornton were sidelined. Once they get back, I think that third receiver is going to be a better option for them based on their opponent or just the talent on your roster uh, more often than not. Mike Kosicki, I think, can have a role. I just don't think this is going to be another two tight end offense. Okay. Number four, Lawrence Guy's holdout is a relative non-story by herself. So I'm completely buying this because Guy's been in the league 13 years. He's been here six or seven. He's been a captain. He's won team awards. He's not going anywhere. He switched <laughs> agents. And he doesn't want to go to mini camp. He's going to be there. What what is he going to do? He's 14 years in the league. He's going to like, no, trade me. Bill's going to laugh at him. Like, again, I I give Bill a lot of crap. They made a lot of mistakes in this franchise 
the last couple of years. He understands Lawrence Guy has to, that as good as he is, a great team player, important up front, he is not like some sort of complete game changer. Oh my God, the defense is dead if he's not there. So I am completely buying. It's a non-story. Uh, a smart move by him, veteran. Agent says he'll try to drag it out. You don't have to be there right now. You're going to lose a couple bucks, no big deal. But come week one against the – he's there. He's there week one, right? Come on. Uh, week one, if he's not a surprise cut, which I named him a couple of weeks ago on this podcast for reasons that you mentioned, going to turn 34 in November, Ooh. log 12, 13 years in the league, create some cap space quite easily. I think what this ends in, if I had to guess here again, July 11th, they add some incentives knowing that their best hope is you become a rotational guy as opposed yeah. to someone who started all 14 games that you appeared in last year because Christian Barmore takes your place in that base defense. Yes. And I think that's a role he's best suited for. And I honestly have a ton of notes here, Ma, that go into why this is a bigger deal than people think and how many times he's played over the B-gap versus over the offensive tackle. Oh, so you think it's a big deal if he's not like an, a rotational play? So, okay, it's a big deal if he's not here. Okay. But do you think, is he playing a game here or is he really threatening to, to not be a part of this? He's going to be there. Come on. So I'm buying that it is a non-story for that same reason. Okay. okay. I discussed this with Doug Kai maybe a month ago. He just has no leverage. None. None. He's 34 years old. And there will be reasons, though, that they miss him. You know, for a team whose culture took a real hit and crumbled and they try to fix it and they bring in new coaches and different Yeah, fair. You need fair. someone to drive that. And even if you don't want to go with that type of argument, you know, his body type allows him to flex in and out of different defensive fronts, which are really important to them. Uh, again, the different places he's played. But ultimately, where does he want to go? This is a guy who's been in the community, won the Ron Burton yes. last year. He wants to be here. I think he will be here. Uh, I, if they played hardball with Stephon Gilmore, you're absolutely right. They'll play hardball with Lawrence Guy. Uh, staying on defense, number five, by herself. Multiple defensive rookies who were hotter this summer than any days, or hotter this spring than any day has been this summer. Christian Gonzalez, Keon White, Marte Mapu. At least two of them will make an instant impact by herself. Well, Christian Gonzalez definitely not because uh, one oh. reporter said one reporter said that uh, he didn't show that the makeup when he answered questions from the media uh, in his first uh, press conference. There, um, I I'm going to buy on this because of the talent of these players. Well, I have another question about the the overall defense, but I'm going to buy that. I think this is a, a big year for Bill. I think it's a big year for the team, and I think it goes back to you know last year Bob Kraft saying you want to be a playoff team this year. They've sort of reset some things with this team. They brought in Bill O'Brien. I think it's sort of playoffs or bust. And Bill's going to play the best players available. That's going to mean rookies on defense, talented guys they drafted. So as far as the individual players go and the rookies you mentioned, uh, I'm going to buy completely on these guys making an impact really from day one because Bill's going to play the best guys maybe more than ever because there's no redshirt year. It's about winning this year. Best players win games. I'm buying on this question. So I'm going to take your reasoning and use it to sell oh. because I like Marte Mapu a lot. I'm not ready to start stitching him a red jacket. Like it sounds like some of our brethren are. And I totally <laughs> get it. I've seen him in person. I've seen him less mm -hmm. because I missed OTAs for my wedding and honeymoon. But when I did see him at minicamp, Slacker. very impressive. And he profiles as a guy who, even though he comes from a smaller school, can make an instant impact, grasp the playbook has the necessary tools, uh, can play multiple positions. Those guys find snaps. However, when you are fifth on the depth chart, I don't care how smart you are, how well you know the playbook, how instinctive you are. I don't know where his snaps are coming from. And that's where of these three guys, I look at Christian Gonzalez, especially in light of the Jack Jones situation and go, 
Yeah. 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 He'll start. Now, yep. am I ready to stitch him a red jacket again as some as are ready? No, I, no, I'm not. I want to see him play with the pads on. But Mapu, is he starting over Kyle Duggar? No. Is he playing over Adrian Phillips? No. If you want to argue for Jabril Peppers, I would tell you Peppers last year came off an ACL, played his best football down the stretch, former captain. He'll be there. I would say probably not. And then it's Jalen Mills, who's probably best suited of those four to play free safety, which is really the position you're replacing here in light of Devin McCourty retiring. Yeah. So I love Marte Mapu. I'm, I'm very excited to see him play. I just don't think we're going to see a ton of him early on. If we do, it's a great sign uh, because that means one of those guys is, is probably expendable. And I don't know if they would trade them or what's going to happen, but it's a very good group. I just don't see him cracking. I only see one of these defensive rookies, Keon White. We haven't seen anything from him. He could crack in a sub rusher role, but then you're dealing with Matt Judon, Christian Barmore, Dietrich Wise, Josh Uche, and Daniel Okawale who are ahead of you. And yeah, maybe leaps at Wally. Like he'll so be your point five. is that Gonzalez is going to start and have an impact. The other two guys is role players. So that as a yeah. group, that doesn't count as uh, that. That makes sense. I guess I assume that Keon White would be more of an impact player based on, you know, where they took him and what else was around him, especially if they're going to rotate players around and Lawrence guy ends up holding out for any period of time that might give Keon White more of a chance to be involved in training camp. But maybe you're right about that. Yeah, I just based on the available information, I'm going to sell. Clear path to playing time is the big thing here for rookies. What's your opportunity in addition to your talent? If we can't say definitively what the talent is, looking at the opportunity, Christian Gonzalez is the only one of those three that I say instant impact. Um, now, look, I feel number six as far as hype and storyline. Buy or sell. The Patriots look like a top five defense once again. No, this is a sell for me. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a sell uh, because I do have the questions. Of, for the individual talent. Uh, we'll see about Christian Gonzalez. We knew what Jack Jones was. Uh, at least initially, it's a drop-off. We'll see if he's that same player. So a little bit of a downgrade there, cornerback. But then, I, I like, I, I look at some of the numbers stuff. Maybe I get too sucked into numbers. But, like, the, Warren Sharp in particular uh, was looking at this before we came on here. Uh, he does the, the, the strength of schedule. You know, and again, it's not perfect. But Warren Sharp has the Patriots, the toughest schedule in the NFL in 2023. By the way, by a pretty significant margin. They had the 10th toughest schedule a year ago, toughest schedule this year. Uh, they're going to face Aaron Rodgers in the division this year. They got Buffalo and Miami. Their schedule is tough. I have questions about maybe potentially the quarterback position long-term. Um, so I don't think they're I, – I, maybe they're kind of sort of as good, but a tougher schedule will not be a top-five defense this year. More balanced team this year, but the defense won't be top-five. I'm selling on the hype of this uh, defense, which ironically, thinking back last couple of years, boy – They've been hyped up Callahan. Like I remember our, our friend Tommy Curran, like eight games in, is this the best Patriot defense ever? Turns out they had played absolutely nobody. So uh, I'm selling on a top five Patriot defense in 2023. Good, but not great. So the schedule point is a great one. I, I've made it on this podcast before in 2019 illustrates that perfectly where they're eight. That was the, the year. They're yes. creaming teams. And I'm making the point then that like, okay, you could go small sample and they're playing bad teams, but when the strength of that sample is so strong, it's telling you this is different. This matters. Yep. Now, does it matter so much that it can overcome in that year's instance um, that you have no viable receivers aside from a hobbled Julian Edelman? No, they lost more games than they won down the stretch and they got knocked out in the wild card round of Tom Brady's final season. But that defense still finished number one. I look at this defense, which brought back virtually everybody except for Devin McCourty, and then added their first three picks to that side of the ball and say yes. It will only show up in the advanced wow. numbers that take into account 
the strength of schedule, which is the big point, because again, that's what boosted <laughs> that, that 2019 time defense. Out. Time, <laughs> time. Okay. That is the biggest goalpost move in the history of your podcast that yes, there'll be a top five defense, but you got to be a nerd analytics dive deep to really you have see. to be Give here a break. 18 to find out why and how as I dig up the numbers to verify my take from June where I'm watching going, they're fast, they're multiple, they're explosive, they're vicious, they're going to be violent. But look, yeah. tell me I'm wrong. This is the defense that is built to play against modern offenses. We just yeah, they're fat, they're fat, they're fast in the in the in the in the secondary. They've got a bunch of guys at linebacker and safety that all look like a hybrid player. You mentioned GP Peppers before, like he's he moved all these guys can move anywhere. So yes, they're 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 built for it. But I, I, you got to be a super analytics guy to see how good they're going to be. Well, here's what that really is, is I'm telling you, and no one should be looking at these numbers, I think, in 2023 anyway, aside from just documenting, you know, football historically. Don't give me total yards at the end of the season, okay? We're, we're grown-ups here. We're looking how about at points. Per, how about points per game? Points per game is better. Okay. But again, I, I would try to take into account as best you can. Like last year, right, the Patriots give up three kick return touchdowns, which is going to lead to our last point here in a second. Yep. Is that the defense's fault? No, it's probably special teams. No, it's probably fair. special That's teams. Fair. And then fair. defensively, they score seven or eight touchdowns. That keeps their pulse alive down the stretch of the season. That technically gave Mac Jones and company a boost because it went into points per game. Now, these are outliers, right? You're not going to have that many kick return touchdowns allowed. Defensive touchdowns scored. But the point is that the contextualized stats, your DBOAs, your EPAs, I'm just telling you to look there. We can move on from the total yards. Okay. Anyway, so don't, just don't give me total yards when the Patriots end up twelve. Right, well, we'll I, I, we'll check in on this. So we're going to go like EPA <laughs> yards per. I, I get it. So some yeah. of the, the the advanced stuff, football. Okay, I, I will I will take that. But I I do yeah. love that you're saying yes, they'll be great. But if the the main numbers that a lot of football <laughs> fans look at don't say the numbers it, that I choose and tell you to look at, yeah. And if they're wrong, then I'm going to give you a different number. Look, I'm already on the record in June. It was probably a premature take. But yeah. the people I talked to and the the football I saw there again, no pads, no. A lot of things. Um, I loved it. I think it's going to be good. It's okay. going to be at least top You're five in. on defense. Yeah. We'll, we'll be there. Not to mention Marcus Jones. All right. Anyway, T special teams. Buy or sell really quickly because uh, no one wants to listen to more special teams talk. Buy or sell. The special teams, which allowed three kick return touchdowns, at least half or most in the entire league last season. They're cured. My, Joe Judge is back. We have a new kicker. There's a new punter. Chris Board from the Lions. Come on down. Core special teamer. Brendan Schooler, year two. He's going to the Pro Bowl. Matthew Slater's back. What could go wrong? Buy or sell? Okay, I love Matthew Slater. He's the best Patriot interview on the radio. I, I will miss talking to him in this fall. Um, I, I, I'm going to submarine this. I apologize for doing this because I I can't do special teams talk. Even now, I can't, <laughs> I can't do it. To the point where I turned on my smart speaker and asked it to play one of the Boston sports radio stations. And I heard in the first 30 seconds, people don't get punting. It's not about just kicking its accuracy. And I said, please turn off. I, I, I can't do it. This was, this was just yesterday. Right. I can't do it. So I will ask you, I love Marcus Jones. I love watching return kicks. I like that Joe judge is away from the offense and focused on special teams. That can only be a good thing for the entire team. But do I know if it's cured? I don't know. You you were down there. You tell me. I, your special teams. You're on the beat. You have to talk about it. I don't at mudstack.com. So you tell me the answer to this one. Okay. Well, this is my podcast, and so I can either spend thirty seconds or thirty minutes on this. And I you and would I like to do thirty well minutes feed. based on how I know about you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Devils in the details mode. We got to root them out. Um, 
No, it's going to be 30 seconds because, as I said, we we can't – and we won't close the podcast on special teams because we can't have people tuning out before we end this. <laughs> Mike Reese did an excellent job breaking down why rookie specialists matter in his Sunday notes that are must-read, whether you're on the beat, a new fan, an old fan, you never heard of him. Read He's the best. Yep. Uh, Jamie Cole, because the, the whole specialist world is a little bit different. It's kind of like AAU in some circumstances. You're not watching the high school games to scout the best prospects and maybe basketball – you know, kicking and punting, you're going to those camps, talking to those guys who know what they're talking about and measure all these different ways, punting and kicking. Here I go long on special teams. The one <laughs> thing I said I wouldn't do. Anyway, it matters that they're rookies, okay? It's great that Chad Ryland has a big, strong leg and was drafted higher than Steven Koskowski. Cool. Bryce Berenger came in the second round. He can boom punts higher and longer than I can hold my breath. Doesn't matter. He's still a rookie in that matter. So what I want to see is just this work first because last year on offense, covered up and papered over so many of the bad issues just from a PR standpoint, not actually on the field special team sunk them literally at the end of the season for not making the playoffs, but offense covered so much of that because we were talking about the offense the whole time. We didn't talk about what ended up as the league's worst special teams. Yes. I think they'll bounce back. Yes. A top 10 finish. Like they had most of the time. Joe judge was their special teams coordinator seems likely, but I'm going to sell. It's not cured. You need to put in the work. You need to make the kicks. And the one cool thing I'll say, and I'll leave it at this. The squib kick might be in play a lot more this year based on the way that the kickoff has been devalued and you can make a fair catch. Can't make a fair catch, as I understand it, if the ball is bouncing up towards you, then you got to make a call. So I don't know if they'll rep that, drill it. I'm going to make some calls. Do, uh, let me ask you, when you were there, when you were there in June, were they? did you see any of that no. early that gave no. you a sign? And no. you know what? I did see Chad Ryland missed a kick from like 40 yards. So <laughs> Socks. Cut him. <laughs> Cut him. Cut him. Uh, all right. Final thought. I told you come with a final thought. Anything we haven't covered yet, something unrelated. Uh, what do you got? Well, I, I guess I have two. Okay, let's start with, so I, I was talking to my boys who are, are diehard Patriot fans, 10 and 7 years old, about talking to you. And so you guys have questions for Andrew. He's a Patriots expert, air quotes. Um, one was about DeAndre Hopkins, so we're not going to ask about that. Another one was about how many wins they're going to have. I said, it's July, we don't care. But I, we, did, we eventually got to a question that Can I, I don't take back my all star dad trophy that I get you in the back. You're uh -huh. stupid. That question doesn't matter. These guys said something like, let, let sports radio talk in July about how many wins the Pats are going to have. Um, the Juju Smith Schuster that you met, you so you were when you were going through Mike Kosicki and where he's going to play, like, and I don't know the answer. Like, how do you see them using him? Because he played different roles in, in Pittsburgh and Kansas City. Obviously, when he's healthy, he's really, really good. So, how, how they they spent money on him so far Hopkins is not here what do you think Juju's role is in this offense where does he fit in the pecking order and where is he going to play on the field in your mind so he has predominantly been a power slot receiver part of that is a surrounding talent right like Antonio Brown's going to be in the outside I don't know if he was around for Mike Wallace at the tail end of that but there were established people who played and were better than him on the outside force him inside he's very good there he can play on the perimeter so he'll move around like all the Patriots receivers do but I think you'll see him featured on screens in the way that they can use his yards after catch ability, which was the tiebreaker between him and Jacoby Myers uh, when it came down to it yeah. and try to capitalize that way. In addition, maybe a jet sweep or two in the ways you've seen them use Kendrick Bourne. So I'm talking yeah. bubbles, um, you know, not necessarily slip screens, but jet sweeps, things that get him in motion with some blockers out ahead. How much of that does he deserve to be featured as the number one option in this offense? I don't know. He'll They'll make him earn it. But they've made a real commitment to him. Okay, he, He's the featured guy here. And I, I am not as high on him from a statistical standpoint as I think some others are. And the overlap between him and Gasicki, who both function best in the same spot, concerns me. 
So one of them has to thrive more in the perimeter than I think we've seen. All right. So then, then one more, because people that don't know, uh, Callahan is as tight in as anybody. He may not say everything in his podcast from the Herald that he hears, uh, but he talks and hears a lot. So Bill O'Brien's been here for a couple of months now. Uh, wh- what are you hearing about the impact? What are you hearing about the relationship with Mac Jones and any other nuggets you've picked up uh, as you've tried to rebound off uh, your, your wedding, your honeymoon, and now getting ready for training camp in a couple of weeks? So I've been doing my best. Uh, well, I said at the outset, I suck at staycations. So I have not texted anyone. This was going to be the end of this week, started next week, start to prepare. But as far as Bill O'Brien goes, there's a sense of just calm and confidence. And not calm because he's speaking calmly in meetings. There have been blow-ups with Bill O'Brien. Real, so already? People, yeah, not, really? not blow-ups in the sense that are aberrations or abnormal for that type of work environment. Like, sometimes I think we all need a good reminder. Working in the NFL is very different than any of us working in our own environment. It doesn't excuse any sort of abusive behavior, but yelling and screaming is acceptable in where places where it's not. And so for Bill O'Brien, nicknamed Teapot famously last time he was here, yeah, he's gone off about how things are supposed to be done and how he wants them because he has a lot more credibility coming back here. And he knows he's needed and wanted and is the man in charge. So for the most part, that has emanated a confidence and a calm to the rest of the players, the assistants. There is a, we know why we're doing this. He knows what he's doing. The answers to our questions are no longer We'll get to it when we get to it, which is what Matt Patricia and Joe Judge were saying a year ago. It's X, <laughs> Y, and Z. And he's got tape. 15 years, basically, since he was last year as, as an assistant first-time play caller. And that helps. It goes on from the top down. So there's buy-in here. And I think they're very happy with not only him, but some of their new assistants, Adrian Clem. Um, does that mean there's instant buy-in from everyone? No. Look, Lawrence Guy, former captain, as you mentioned, holding out as a statement. Trent Brown. Missing the first day. Oh, no, my flight got canceled. Like, that doesn't fly in box. That's why he was sent down to the field on the second day of minicamp. There are still issues here that they need to resolve, and that's partly every year in the NFL. But as far as Bill O'Brien goes, it's going to get the best out of everyone, I think, uh, in addition to the fact that a lot of these guys are contract years. There's, there's a lot of intrinsic motivation across the roster and the coaching staff that this needs to get done. You need to win. And there should be. And it's, I mean, we'll, uh, hopefully we'll talk again before the season, but this is a big year for the, I think it's a big year, Andrew, for the organization. You know, they've had a couple of these sort of, whatever you want to call it, this dip Uh, Mac Jones, year three, real coordinator. I think the expectation should be even in a tough division, a playoff team. This is more of an opinion because this is not insider information, but how, how big, how big are they going to go for this Tom Brady thing against the Eagles when Brady comes back to celebrate him? How big is it going to be? Uh, as as big as possible, you know. It's 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 Robert Kraft is welcoming his prodigal son home. You know yeah. that that's what this is. Is Kim Kardashian going with him? God, I hope not. Can I can I just <laughs> say that for for Tom personally, for me having to write up some post that will do <laughs> X of ten thousands of views just because it has Tom Brady and Kim Kardashian in the headline, and I hate every single second of that moment and every letter that I tap because uh, it's attached to my byline. I hope not. Um, but personally staying with that game though, and just to finish on football, my yeah. final thought here was sure. I'm really curious how the Patriots during training camp, because this is absolutely a part of their calculus prepare for the Eagles who are a unique challenge offensively, obviously due to Jalen hurts QB run game. You know, we've seen Malik Cunningham undrafted rookie quarterback at Louisville who set all kinds of records with his arms and his legs is already starting to rep some zone read plays. Okay. Read option. If you want to call it fine. Yeah. They're also going to face a defense that is 
a little bit different, but keeps the kind of same core philosophy there. It's a lot of quarters coverage, two deep safeties, ton of different zone. They have a new defensive coordinator in Sean Desai, who I think is an upgrade from Jonathan Gannon. And then they face another Fangio defense in Miami the next week, led by the man himself, Vic Fangio. Okay, And then you get into the Jets, who played a ton of quarters in week three, the Saints in week five. They need to solve those issues early on. So yes, it'll be a very good sign if Mac Jones is throwing for 300 yards in week one against the Eagles, because those are going to be the same concepts and plays they use week after week after week, because they're going to be facing similar defenses. So how early do they get a jump on that? I don't know how much I can even tell you because part of the rule is you can't go into schematics at training camp. Totally fine. But it's important because you win that game. It's one game. I always say it's the most anticipated and least important game in the schedule, but it sets a tone and gives you proof of concept that this new staff with Bill O'Brien can work because it just did against the reigning NFC champs. It's a great point. I want to bring that up because I, I, I get the sense that Bill likes to treat like the first quarter of the season, almost like the extension of the pre he can't, he can't do it this year. Philly, Miami, New York, Dallas, New Orleans, Vegas, Buffalo, Miami. That's gets you through uh, basically uh, almost to that, that Washington game uh, and Halloween. You can't, you can't treat those games. So it'll be, it's an overused word, but it'll be a fascinating start to the year. If they do get out to a slow start, how much rope the, the fan base has, how much empathy they have for the start, how much willingness they're willing to inbuild we trust. Because it feels like a lot of that's eroded. I cannot wait for this thing to start on September 10th. Can't wait. Me too. This is just going to be a much more fun season. Yes, it should be. End, it should be. End of the day, end of the episode, end of the whatever is what this is largely, aside from being a gigantic <laughs> business, uh, is what this should be about. For me, for you, yes. for people listening, for people in those stands paying hundreds of you know, thousands of dollars sometimes. Yeah, uh, 400, 400 bucks to get in for that Eagles game right now. You want to be in the building for that game? It's 400 yeah. just to get in the door. Well, they had the new largest video board outdoors in North America, Mutt. So if if nothing else, you can go see Tom Brady's beautiful face. And it is that real? Was that, that thing, was that Mason who was down there today? I think it's humongous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Media tour today down at Gillette. So they're, Ooh, they're, they're, they're all, yeah. Right. Kim, Kim, Kim Kardashian looked great on that, that video. Stop, <laughs> stop, stop, stop. You cannot speak this into existence, let alone on my podcast, which is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive uh, wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. One last note, and I'll let you go. Um, yeah. Great job by us, not bringing up UConn once. You got the flag behind you for the folks at YouTube. National yep. champ still, but uh, we'll, we'll leave it at that. We don't want to annoy anybody. Uh, I'm enjoying uh, the Andre Jackson highlights at uh, now. And now I'm bringing up UConn, so they're gonna they're gonna win the whole thing again next year. So I'm looking forward to it, Andrew. And if you're, awesome. you're interested in Boston sports and uh, Saratoga, check out yes. mustack.com. And hopefully, I'll be back uh, at some point. We'll do some uh, we do this win total. It's some betting stuff between uh, now and uh, opening day. Yeah, go to Fanduel. The people who support us, go support them. But before you do that, go to Mudstack. I am a subscriber. I learned something new every Thank single Thursday or Friday when that drops into my mail, uh, inbox. I am one of close to 2,500 people who do the same. So yeah. if you want to listen to me, pick any one of them because they are a smart person listening and reading to <laughs> Mike Mundansky, uh, and hopefully spending their money at Fanduel after going to Fanduel.com backslash Boston. Buddy, I can't believe it's been three months since I had you on. We will have you on sooner than that. It looks like... Uh, we only have two months until the season opener. Oh, can't wait. Can't go by. Wait. Enjoy it. Enjoy a couple weeks before it gets hectic and uh, whatever you need, pal. We'll talk soon. Appreciate you, my guy. Be well.